On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla Motors unofficial podcast, interesting new details about Model 3's battery pack are uncovered, the referral program gets a new secret level reward that money can't buy, Model 3 is projected to have best-in-class resale value, and more. Good to be with you, friends. I'm Ryan McCaffrey. This is episode 108 of the Tesla Motors unofficial podcast, better known as Ride the Lightning. It's the episode for August 27th, 2017. And pretty much as usual these days, never a dull moment in the world of Tesla. There is plenty to get to. Uh, Let me start with uh, the second level of the referral program's whole, uh, you know, secret, secret bonus thing that's that's eventually going to win some people a totally free, or at least free, free other than the taxes and whatever options I suppose they'll want to get, a largely free next-generation Tesla Roadster. So yeah, level two of that was unlocked for those of you participating, the owners. And it is, the prize is drive an electric boring machine. And yes, not a not a not unfun machine, but an actual, of course, the boring company. Uh, the text is: You've unlocked the second secret level. Refer five more friends to drive an electric tunnel boring machine with the boring company in Hawthorne, California. Which, of course, uh, they're. Uh, I was going to say Tesla, but no, it's Elon and the boring company have a. They are digging a two-mile test tube, basically a test track down there underneath SpaceX and uh, heading out from Hawthorne towards LAX. And uh, yeah, if you, if you get another five referrals, which I guess we'll, you'll need to get, that'll make it 10, 10 overall, I believe, you will win the right to go to Hawthorne, California to SpaceX slash Tesla slash the boring company there and uh and drive the 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 sled the thing that is eventually going to you know that's going to power the tubes the the uh the hyperloop pods so that's pretty cool that's a that that'll you know it's <laughs> it's it's definitely a thing that money can't buy cuz we're and where that phrase is coming from is at the model 3 delivery event before the event proper had begun there was a sort of you know has, I don't want to call it a green room because that's for the stars of the show, but there was a reception area back there for, for those of us who were lucky enough to be there. And there was a very brief presentation by the person who heads up the referral program at Tesla. Unfortunately, I did not catch his name. But he said during his spiel that you know he was thanking everybody for making all the referrals and gave some numbers on how many referrals there have been over, cumulatively. And he mentioned that there would be prizes coming up in the referral program that money can't buy. Those were his exact words. And sure enough, this certainly seems like one of those things. So uh, does this mean you can go the full like 120 miles an hour that these test things are capable of? Probably not. I suspect you'll be kept to a, a, reasonable, a reasonable speed level. But uh, that is definitely a pretty neat prize. And if nothing else... 
it'll be good for a story at your next dinner party if you get to do that and get to go do that. It's like, uh, hey, uh, so I was at I was at SpaceX and drove a drove a ton drove a you know hyper sled hyperloop sled underground. That was pretty cool. All right, next up this week, Electrek credit here for a big scoop. They got all the details on the Model 3 battery pack and its architecture and how it differs from the Model S and X battery pack. Of course, the big one that we all already know about is the form factor of the battery cells. The 2170 cells, uh, they're larger cells, they're fewer, they're bigger, but there are less of them uh, in the Model 3 than there would be in a comparable Model S or X battery pack, which uses the 18650 cell factor, uh, cell battery cells. So here's what Electrek learned. It's again, it's very, very inside baseball stuff, but some of it's very relevant to how we understand both Tesla's direction with the Model 3 and I think the future of the company to an extent as well. So uh, the standard battery, which is approximately a 50 kilowatt hour battery in the Model 3, it is made up of 2,976 of the 2170 cells that are arranged in groups of 31 cells per brick. Those bricks go into four separate modules, two modules of 23 bricks and two modules of 25 bricks. Those are the, that's, that's each of the four modules. Now the approximately 75 or 74 kilowatt hour long range battery pack that consists of 4,416 cells in groups of 46 cells per brick uh, across four modules there, four even, even uh, modules, evenly numbered cell-wise modules. Of course, it's, it's not an apples-to-apples comparison, uh, but the 100 kilowatt-hour pack for the SNX, which obviously that's the top of the line, that has 16 modules with 516 cells apiece for a total of 8,256 cells per pack. So quite a, a much, much larger number of cells, which uh, of course gives more p- power to draw from on performance, but it's you know obviously not quite as simple uh, as far as the manufacturing and, and uh, application as, as it is in Model 3. So you know, trade-offs to be made either way. Uh, Electric noting that unlike the Model S and Model X battery pack, Tesla didn't make the Model 3 battery pack to be easily swappable. There are bolts which are only accessible by removing trims from the interior of the car that need to be removed in order to eject the battery pack. That's really interesting. Uh, Electric also notes Tesla also designed the Model 3 battery pack to include the charger, fast charge contactors, and DC uh, to DC converter all in the same package. The packs also already have the necessary connectors for the upcoming all-wheel drive dual motor option. Finally, Tesla also got rid of the external battery pack heater, and instead it heats the pack only using heat provided by the powertrain, even when the car is parked. Uh, Electric noting that even when parked, Tesla's software can send a request to the powertrain inverter to start powering up and pass the appropriate currents to the motor in order to produce enough heat to warm the cells 
all while not producing any torque so that the Model 3 doesn't move. So some very interesting nuggets there about how the Model 3 battery pack is structured. To me, what all this means is that, and this is obvious, this is no uh, great insight on my part, but this just further reinforces to me that Tesla thought about this a lot, that so much brilliant engineering and thought went into how do we make a new electric vehicle platform that we can build that works and is great and everybody's going to want that we can sell for a lot less money. They have thought about this a lot. I mean, I, I would suspect, I'd be willing to, to place a small wager that this battery pack is much more advanced than any other electric vehicle pack that's anywhere near the Model 3's price range. But obviously, that's just pointless speculation on my part. What matters is that uh, the big thing here, that the battery swapping station idea is pretty much totally dead. I mean, it had, we all assumed it had been left for dead because they'd set up the one test station on Interstate 5 out here in California between San Francisco and L.A., uh, and even that did not last too long. But if the battery swap station idea did get resurrected, that it, this pretty much means it's only going to be for Model S and Model X. So, uh, you know, I, I think it probably is gone for good. But if Tesla does continue to build the S and X uh, with... Well, actually, it doesn't even necessarily need to be with the 18650 cells. If they continue to build it the way they're building it, where the pack drops very, very easily uh, from the bottom of the car with, with uh, you know, the just bolts, it's I could see them resurrecting the battery swap idea as just this premium option for the premium vehicles. Obviously, a totally a, a very optional option, where you know if you're you know if you're driving to whatever state you're going to or wherever, whatever city you're off to, if you say, oh, well, I don't, I really don't want to take the 25, 35 minutes to stop for the supercharge. I really want to keep going. Then you could go ahead and pull into the uh, battery swap station for that nominal fee. But it does seem more likely than not, of course, just like before this happened, before this information was unearthed by electric that the battery swap station was probably dead. This this just drives another nail in the coffin. But I do wonder, you know, it's it's uh I mean, I guess battery maintenance maintenance is going to work pretty well the same way on the Model 3 cuz in in the S and the X, the technicians just drop the pack from the car, they replace any dead cells, they do any service, anything else they need to do when your car is in for a checkup. I mean, it's as a as a future Model 3 owner, I'm not super keen on the idea of, of interior trim pieces having to be removed from my car in order to get at the pack, but I guess it's really not that big of a deal, but it's kind of a mild unfortunate thing that there, there isn't direct access to the pack from, uh, without having to mess with the interior at all. But good stuff there from Electric. Very, very interesting knowledge. Next here, uh, public service announcement, really. I don't have necessarily a lot of commentary on this. But uh, just passing along word that the Tesla wall connector has now... Uh, it, it, was, it was $500 for the 8-foot cord length version and uh, $550 for the 24-foot version 
24-foot uh, cord. If you had a bigger garage, bigger space, you know, you weren't necessarily going to park your car right next to the charger. Um, now, Tesla has lowered the price of that 24-foot version to be the same price, $500. So it's $500 for either the 8-foot or the 24. You would think, well, no one will take the 8, but I suppose depending on your parking setup, the 8 will still make a lot of sense for a lot of people. And it's funny, I mean, I'm glad I didn't quite pull the trigger yet because I was just thinking about buying one before, because uh, I was thinking, oh, maybe I should just get it now before holiday spending, you know, starts crunching my wallet a little bit because it is already the end of August. I mean, there's there's certainly, I'm in no rush because I've got a bit longer to wait for my Model 3. But it's it's good that Tesla makes a convenient home charging solution as affordable as possible. That is going to be a big, you know, every owner needs charging. You know, these these cars... If they're going to change the world and they're going to be everywhere, uh, the charging needs to be simple and it needs to be uh, the, the infrastructure needs to be fairly affordable. Of course, the wall connector isn't required; it is an optional piece. You, uh, but I mean, for me, I already have the NEMA 1450 outlet in the garage. The reason why I want the wall connector is literally just for convenience. I really don't even need the higher speed, higher, well, yeah, higher speed charging that the wall connector can do. Uh, I mean, it, it'd be nice, I guess, but I don't think I really need it. Uh, there are the number of times I would don't really necessarily justify uh, the expense, but what I, for me does justify the expense, again, is the convenience of having the cord all nice and tidy hanging on the, uh, on the, the wall connector and when I park the car, I don't have to go to the trunk, open the trunk, take out the, the mobile connector, and plug that in every time. And then when I want to take my car out, unplug it, put it back in the trunk, close the trunk. You know, the wall connector, it's just right there. It lives in your garage. You know, the fact is you're going to be doing that every single day. So that, for me, is where, where that convenience factor, especially, you know, I plan on having this car for... 10, 15 plus years, long, long time, that's that's a lot of times it's going to get plugged in in my garage. That's hundreds of times a year, thousands upon thousands of times over the course of the time I have the car. So um, yeah, just a PSA. If uh, if you are, if you're, you're, you're planning ahead for your Tesla, maybe uh, you've got 500 bucks kind of sitting there that, that you could do something with. Yeah, you might want to go ahead and knock out your, your wall connector and get it done. Oh, and by the way, to California listeners, I'd mentioned this before. Michael from Millbrae had sent this in months ago, uh, but it's worth mentioning since we're on the topic again. California listeners who have PG&E as your, as your utility company, don't forget about the $500 bill credit uh, that you can get from PGE once you take delivery of your car. If you... If uh, you want to know more about that, just go on PG&E's website and look for the electric vehicle uh, section of their website, and you will find it. It's uh, it, there's there are prominent links to it. I was just on there the other day when uh, when I was putting this show together. Next up this week, the bodywork manual for the Model Three has leaked, and what's interesting about that is it shows which sections of the car are made of which metals. You know, we'd been told for 
many, many months that the Model 3 wasn't all aluminum. Instead, it would be a mix of steel and aluminum, and now we have a much better idea of that. Now, this, this uh, guide, this manual, doesn't show the hood, front fenders, or doors, but we're pretty sure that those are all aluminum. You'll remember that uh, when he was here for the Model 3 event, uh, and I had Trevor Page on the show, he had brought some magnet or something with him and tested it on, I think, one of the doors or something and said, oh, it's aluminum. So this uh, that would seem to be the case there. But what we now know is that the rest of the car, including the rear fenders, is a mix of mild steel in some places, high-strength high steel in other places, and in a few other places at the core of the car, ultra-high-strength steel. What this all means is exactly what Tesla has already promised us, which is this should be a very, very safe car. And uh, with the rear fenders being mild steel, you know, maybe that means not every bit of bodywork will have to be done at a shop that specializes in aluminum, uh, aluminum repair. So if you do have a, you know, you have a bodywork situation in the in the rear, in the back, uh, hopefully you'll be able to get it done at, at other places besides just places, shops that are sort of authorized to do S's and X's. And thus what that would do, if that were to be the case, that might free up some of the bottleneck we've been seeing with S and X bodywork repair. Although, of course, John McNeil has been taking steps and, and, and the whole Tesla team taking steps to try and alleviate that. Next on the docket for this week, the default 18-inch aero wheels. We've talked about a lot about those both recently and pretty much ever since the Model 3 release candidates started being cited. Uh, they, it turns out those aero wheels may provide a fairly substantial rain, uh, range boost. Now, you, you may recall, if you've been following Tesla for a long time, you may remember that the Model S had a set of factory-available aero wheels. They could be, they could be purchased uh, when you, you know, you, they could be configured on your car in the design studio, but they did not last long. I mean, they were, they really come and gone in the blink of an eye. They clearly did not prove popular. I personally thought they completely neutered the gorgeous looks of the S, but their purpose was one of function, not form. And I, I've actually seen a few in real life, uh, running around here in the Bay Area, every, every once in a blue moon, I see one, and it's not for me, but I respect the heck out of anybody who, you know, hey, you, you want that extra efficiency? By all means, go for it. But yeah, they, the S, they ditched them pretty quick, but the three, they are the factory standard. And uh, this, a, a Tesla Motors Club member who goes by the username 355ROCKET, R-O-C-K-I-T, says he ran into an unnamed early Model 3 owner who claimed to be a vice president of engineering at Tesla uh, when they were both at a supercharger in Monterey. And the Tesla executive, uh, blah, 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 gave him a quick walkthrough of his brand new Model 3 and explained why he decided to go with the 18-inch wheels, saying, quote, he said that he went with the Aero since he wants more mileage and said the gain is about 10%. Now, this is secondhand information, obviously, but... 
I don't think there's any reason to doubt this gentleman's, uh, actually this person's story. I don't know if 355 rockets a, a man or woman. And so that got me thinking a little bit. It's like, okay, well, we people had kind of uh, made that leap before the Model 3 officially launched, th- saying that, oh, that's that's probably how you know those aero wheels are going to be one way that Tesla gooses the EPA numbers to be as good as possible. So... Uh, if you're wondering then, I would think this means that the long-range battery, the long-range battery, mind you, is probably good for about 280 miles with any other wheels. And by any other, I basically just mean the 19-inch sport wheels uh, and the 18-inch arrows wheels, but without the arrow covers on them. So I would think that should be about 280 and that also probably means about 200 miles even or so on the standard battery because I very, very seriously doubt that these wheels give a 10% bump on top of the stated EPA ranges of 220 and 310. I suspect that those EPA ranges were calculated and advertised with those arrow wheels on there. I could prove to be wrong on that, but I suspect this that's probably the case. So uh, if that matters to you, if that affects your purchasing decision when you go to configure your Model 3 and you're trying to figure out which wheels to get, well, now you know. You, may, you might want to sort of just keep it in your head of, all right, oh, if I take the aero covers off or I go with the sport wheels, I'm looking at 280 range on the, on the large battery, the long range, and about 200 flat on the standard battery. Next this week, more Model 3. What a surprise. It's, it is everything's Model 3-tastic right now with the car launching. Autolist.com is projecting the Model 3 to have the best, and by best I mean lowest, depreciation level in its class. So this is from Autolist.com. Derived using the Model S, its peer group, and corresponding entry-level competitor pricing data, our forecast projects a best-in-class depreciation curve for the Model 3, with the vehicle losing only 29% of its value after 50,000 miles and 50% of its value after 100,000 miles. If you're wondering, that is compared to a depreciation level in the mid-30s after 50,000 miles for the Audi A4, also the Mercedes C-Class, and BMW 3 Series are all in that in that mid-30s percentile window of depreciation. So this is good news, by the way, for folks who have, are wanting to... Because I've seen a number of people on, out there comment on this. That a lot of folks are saying... Not a lot, but a handful of folks are saying, hey, I'm going to go ahead and take first delivery, whatever car I can get my hands on, and then... They're saying, oh, well, I'll trade it in uh, for either a dual motor Model 3 or maybe a Model Y in two to three years. I've, I've seen a number of posts to that effect on TMC. I mean, I, I personally can't afford to take that kind of financial hit even, uh, even, even with that best-in-class depreciation. But hey, if you can, more power to you. It looks like Model 3 is going to make it hurt your wallet a little bit less. So... Uh, good news there for all future Model 3 owners. This next story, I debated whether or not to do it because, again, it, it hasn't moved along yet. There's nothing 
There's not a, a sort of big breakthrough in this story yet, but Elon tweeted about it, and I just want to, I guess, mention, give a quick update really fast here, and that is the case of Tesla versus the state of Michigan, as that battle wages on and Tesla tries to win the legal right to sell their cars direct to consumers in Michigan. A U.S. magistrate judge has ordered the state of Michigan to turn over their emails which the state, by the way, fought against, probably because they don't want their anti-Tesla machinations brought to light in this case. You've probably heard about this before. I have commented on this before as as, uh, this now turning into quite the dramatic saga has taken another turn. And I guess, so that's the only update for right now is the judge saying, hey, Michigan, you got to turn over all this documentation because it looks like you may have uh, really targeted Tesla on this. So we want to see the emails, see the documentation about this to uh, help figure out if that was indeed the case. So I'm going to be keeping my eye on this one. And I mean, as I've said a number of times in these state by state battles where Tesla's trying to win the right to sell cars directly to people, I'll say it again. I am very, very confident that Tesla is going to win the war here, but it is a battle-by-battle situation. Uh, Granted, to be fair, Michigan is a big battle, but it is is a state-by-state battle. More to come on this, for sure. So the next time there's a major update in the case, I will be sure to pass it along. A couple more stories this week. Somebody was poking around in the Tesla firmware and found a reference to uh, T-Tunes. Yes, that is exactly what you think it is. The streaming music service that Tesla has totally not at all denied that they're working on. They've, they've uh, almost sort of admitted it in a, in a cheeky way by not denying it. Uh, What's funny about this, well, actually, so I should say first, it's, you know, we have no idea when this will be coming along, if, if it even ever necessarily makes it to market, per se, for lack of a better term. But, it, I mean, it's probably in the works to some degree, whether it's a back burner thing or it's being very actively worked on. I would suspect if it does come to fruition, the idea will be that Tesla can stop giving Slacker a licensing fee because Slacker's in every single Tesla now. And uh, in certain other markets, uh, in Europe specifically, they are uh, paying Spotify. You get Spotify in your Tesla and they don't have that in the U.S. cars. But I'm sure Tesla would like to stop paying them too. So, you know, just yet another example of Tesla and their vertical integration. So, um, but what's funny about this is that when I saw this story late in the week and I added it to my show notes, I wrote down, this is what I wrote down. I said, I've, I said, saying to myself, I've got to figure that T-Tunes is a code name and isn't going to actually be called that because it's just, it's just too ridiculous. And sure enough, before I could even record the show and make that comment, Elon Musk took to Twitter to say, Tesla does not really have T-Tunes. That's a joke. So 
uh, I'm sure it's going to be given a much more sensible, probably more benign name uh, if and when the time comes that it becomes, uh, that, it, that it's a public thing that they launch. And speaking of Elon's tweets, as I wind down the news here for this week, a couple of interesting nuggets from Mr. Musk on social media this week. He says, we are going to move all info and settings to the cloud so that any Tesla you drive in the world automatically adjusts to you. That's a cool little thing that it's almost, I'm, su- I'm kind of surprised they're not doing it already. It just seems like very much a Tesla thing. But it's, you know, if you're, if out, if you're one of my, uh, if you're a video game player out there, it's basically, it's just like your Xbox One, where you just, you can log into any Xbox One with your profile and all your, your the way your homepage is configured, the colors you've chosen, your games, everything's all there. And it makes total sense to do this with Teslas as well. You might as well do it. You got seat position, mirror position, your favorite slacker stations. Uh, in the Model 3, since it's all software driven, you could have your air, con- your, well, air, con- your HVAC, uh, your HVAC vent uh, positioning, where, you know, where you have the, the, the uh, air blowing at the passengers in the car. You, that could be tied to your profile. And then uh, obviously your steering setting as well, whether you choose like what the, the standard or the sport uh, steering, so you know, make make steering a bit tighter. All that stuff can go right into your profile, and it sounds like it will be able to follow you from car to car, which I suspect will mostly be nice for those times when you need when you have a loaner car while your car is in for for whatever service that it might be needing. Also on Twitter this week, Elon was asked while you're adding exit mode to three. Uh, actually, yeah. Actually, back up because this I'm going in reverse order here. Uh, he was asked, "Can you guys program the car once in park to move back the seat and raise the steering wheel? Steering wheel is wearing. I guess you know to you see you see a lot of cars do this the, the to make uh, ingress and egress a bit easier." And Elon says, "Good point. We will add that to all cars in one of the upcoming software releases. So that's cool. If you already have a Tesla, you can look forward to that." If you are on the list for a Model 3, you can look forward to that at some point. And then as a follow-up, another person asked Elon, while you're adding exit mode to 3S and X, would you also please save headrest position to the driver profile? My petite wife thanks you. And Elon replied there and said, will do. Also, we need to make it a lot easier to adjust the headrest. This was a foolish oversight. To which I really can only add, yay for software updates. <laughs> this is another sort of probably pretty unexpected way that the car can get better via software. There are expected ways that the Teslas can get better via software, and there are some maybe more unexpected ways, and I think this counts in the unexpected category. And finally this week, just a quick note here. If you want to watch something fun... Check out Brooks's latest video on his YouTube channel, Drag Times. He does a lot of Tesla stuff on there. Uh, he takes Teslas to the track. And he has a video up now where a Model X, an X, mind you, P100D Model X, beats a Lamborghini Aventador. 
a Lambo and an Aventador, no less, in a quarter mile. Beats it. It is something else to see. Highly encourage you to go on and check that out. It's pretty cool. That wraps it up for the news this week. I'm going to come right back and, as usual, got a number of excellent calls, excellent things to discuss with you guys in the Ride the Lightning hotline coming up right after this. Well, they say seven's a lucky number. I've got seven excellent calls from you guys queued up in the Ride the Lightning hotline where you can call in, whether you're reacting to another caller from a previous show, you've got a question about the world of Tesla or a discussion topic, the Ride the Lightning hotline is the place to call in and uh, be part of the show. The toll-free number, by the way, 1-888-989-8752. That's 1-888-989-TSLA. Or email me your question after you record it on your phone. Use your voice memo recorder on your phone and email me the file, teslapodcast at gmail.com. I want to thank lifeonrecord.com for providing the Ride the Lightning hotline, and by now you know the drill. And that is, if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they're special. The recordings can be podcasted or put onto a keepsake. Please visit lifeonrecord.com if you'd like to learn more. We kick it off with our friend DJ in North Central Ohio reacting to Tesla's $1,000 charge for charger installation that I talked about last week. So, DJ, let's hear from you. Hey, Ryan. DJ in lovely north central Ohio uh, coming at you from my Model S on a beautiful, sunny Sunday morning. I wanted to give you a call and talk about real quick the price for the Tesla doing the install of the charge connectors. Um, I did want to say that $1,000 isn't that far off, depending, and this one is fully, fully intended, your mileage may vary. Uh, personally, I had a fairly long run to get to the garage from my electrical box because I wasn't fortunate enough to have it installed in my garage like a lot of people. Uh, so my cost for my install was $893. So they're probably kind of giving that as a placeholder, and if it's less than that, I imagine, I hope at least, they're going to give you the difference. Uh, anyway, uh, love the show. Keep it up. Hadn't called you in a while, so glad to have something to talk to you about. Thanks. Great to hear from you, DJ. I, I tell you, I actually I got a number of calls and emails about this, and it appears as though, it's not the first time, it appears as though I may be wrong on this one. Or at least what I said and what you said is that it varies so much that $1,000 isn't necessarily that outrageous for many people, despite what I paid. I suppose, I mean, I suppose I just got lucky with my installation. Still, though, I'm eager to see if Tesla ends up expanding this option to all of North America or maybe taking it to other territories. And if they do, whether or not they, they tweak the price at all. But yeah, I want to thank everybody that called in and said, actually, $1,000 is pretty, you know, fairly reasonable for this. So uh, thanks to all of you. I, I'm always happy on this podcast to learn something new and be corrected and be educated because that is what it's all about. I don't pretend to know everything. Uh, I do my best. I, I research as best I can, but I am a human being. I don't always get it all correct. So uh, thanks, DJ. Thanks to everybody else who called or wrote in on that topic. 
I want to go now. We've got a couple of uh, reactions to last week. First, Jay in Australia reacting to Richard from Australia from last week about a portable charger and uh, another point about why that probably would not work. Let's go to Jay in Australia. Yeah, hi, Ryan. It's Jay from Canberra, Australia. I just wanted to reply to uh, Richard, also from Perth, Australia, who called in last week, just regarding the his concept about reach, like a, a battery to recharge uh, his vehicle. Um, well, a, a good way to think of this from an engineering perspective is Tesla already makes uh, a battery, uh, and that's the power wall too. Um, but uh, Richard said something like 22, uh, 20 kilowatt hours would be worthwhile for a top-up, which, which makes sense. Now, when you think of Powerwall 2, that's only got 13.4 kilowatt hours, so um, a fair bit less than what Richard thought was reasonable. And that will cost you in Australian dollars anywhere from eight to $10,000 so that's you know, some pretty big limitations there, even just from a, from a battery sense. But the biggest one is, is purely the weight. So that Powerball 2 comes in at 122 kilos or 269 pounds. So it's also very heavy, and that's easy, a, a two-man lift there. So it's not a... So even if you could afford it and the concept was there and you could plug it in, the idea of just throwing it in the boot for the weekend... Uh, and driving around is really just not practical because it's obviously a significant weight. It's going to slow, reduce the range of the vehicle. And also it'll be a big safety risk as well because if you have to put the brakes on, you don't want uh, you know, 269 pounds uh, coming through the uh, the back seat. What Richard uh, definitely could look at, though, is a uh, small uh, uh, generator, uh, with a, a liquid fuel based it'll certainly um, there's, a, there's a lot out there that uh, can recharge a, uh, a, a an electric vehicle there's a lot plenty of videos on YouTube about uh, ones that will work um, they're quite small um, they will just have a, a pretty poor uh, recharge rate but certainly if you're worried about getting stuck somewhere um, this would probably set you back uh, five six hundred dollars and uh, and, you, and you might be sitting there overnight but it's going to be a lot safer and a lot more practical than a uh, the battery batteries just aren't there yet in terms of energy density anyway I just thought uh, I'd bring that up because it's uh, it's an interesting concept of where things are going in the future and sometimes uh, hybrid technologies can work better until one uh, technology matures uh, keep up with the work Ryan cheers great points there Jay I, I actually I hadn't even really thought about the cost efficiency, and I definitely hadn't thought about the size, but you're completely right, a 20 kilowatt thing. Though, like I said last week, even if Tesla could do it, I don't think they would, because I, I really do believe it would be used against them by the fudsters for, uh, is that a term? Am I allowed to go in that term? I'm not sure. I'm going with it, though. I'm just rolling with it. So thank you, Jay, for your call there. Uh, another reaction, Matt, who we've heard from before in Bowling Green, Kentucky, uh, reacts to both the uh, gentleman who wanted to get into business with Tesla building superchargers to help further the, ca- further the cause and the uh, also the call about the portable battery pack. So let's go to Matt from Bowling Green and hear what he has to say. 
Brian, this is Matt from Bowling Green, Kentucky. Uh, I was calling about two of the calls that were just on the most recent uh, episode. Uh, we had a gentleman looking to build superchargers, and then another one who was talking about uh, kind of battery boosters. Um, it, you know, I I started thinking about the potential for a company to. Um, startup where they are just mobile battery banks. Um, you know, kind of, I guess, a service truck that would drive around and uh, and give you a boost in charge um, if you need it, or, you know, service your vehicle, fix flats, that kind of thing. Um, you know, Teslas don't need as much maintenance as other cars, and they're less likely to break down, so I understand that. Um, and then I also understand that over time we will have more and more, uh, superchargers. So, you know, the, sure the business model has some flaws, but, uh, it's, it's an idea. So I just thought I'd throw that out there. See what you think. Well, Matt, correct me if I'm wrong on this, but I think AAA already does that service. Like, I feel like I've read about it with, with some, uh, lower, you know, smaller battery capacity, shorter range EVs where people end up uh, not quite making it home and and that AAA comes and and gives you a a quick jolt of juice. I mean, uh, I'm I'm not sure I'd want to get into that business though, even if I'm remembering that incorrectly about AAA because consider this, all EVs, electric vehicles of all makes of everybody, they're all getting longer and longer ranges. So the, thus the need, the, the odds of anybody running out of juice in the middle of the road is really getting smaller and smaller by the day. But I mean, I suppose the real answer would be, you know, maybe there's a business study to be done there to see if there's a market for it. Next up, Sid calls in uh, with comments on uh, switching the Model S and X to the 2170 cells and why he thinks that may or may not happen. So, Sid, you're on the air. Hi, it's Sid, long-time listener and multiple-time caller. You commented this week about them changing the S and the X in the future, perhaps, to 2170 batteries. And I'd like to state that I don't think that's going to happen for the following reason. The 2170 battery packs have less batteries, which means they can pull less current out. And to get the power it takes to run the S at the speed it's running, you need to be able to pull the power. And power, of course, is I squared R. So in this case, the cells charge faster because you have more cells in parallel taking the C charge rate of 1C or 2C or as Tesla overdoes it for part of the time to 4C. But with the Model 3 battery pack with the 2170, the reason it charges slower is there are less cells to parallelize that charge across. Same way when coming back out, one of the reasons that the Model 3 can't accelerate quite as fast as the Model S or X, even though it's lighter, is that there are less cells to draw current from, lower current level coming out, less acceleration. It's the reason they'll be staying with the 18650 batteries for a while until they come up with something with a higher discharge rate. Thanks a lot. Thank you for adding a bit of science to the discussion, Sid. It is very much appreciated. I, I, obviously, I can't argue with anything that you said. I'll just add that perhaps in time, Tesla will be able to save enough weight 
or make other advancements uh, that might offset that lower current pulled from the 2170 cells. But for now, you are absolutely right and your explanation on that could not have been clearer. So thank you so much for your call. And let's do, uh, let's see, we got one, two, three more calls. Let's go to Nick in Massachusetts who uh, spotted a very special vehicle nearby him recently. And let's hear him talk about it. Nick, go ahead. Hi, Ryan. It's Nick from Massachusetts. Great work on the podcast. I was just listening to episode 107, the Ride the Lightning hotline, actually, in a parking lot for a moment. And and I noticed uh, when I looked over to my right uh, that there was a Model 3 at a stoplight. So this is uh, in Burlington, Massachusetts, probably 20 miles, 20 minutes outside of uh, Boston. So I was very, very surprised to see a Model 3. Uh, I wasn't able to get any photos, unfortunately, because my instinct was to try to get closer to it and kind of uh, chase it. But I wasn't able to do that either. It was uh, gone before I was able to to find it. But it was definitely a Model 3. I could see that from the distance where I was. I could not see the inside, could not get close enough to decipher whether or not it was production or whether it was a release candidate. Um, But very pleasantly surprised to see it out here. You know, my only thought is that one of the few lucky owners is is in this area, kind of a cross-country road trip, or I don't know which uh, colors were the vehicles that they brought out to New York recently for the road show associated with the bond sale to kind of hype up investors, but perhaps it was that vehicle that was in New York. Um, But in any case, that would be interesting for folks to note that there's a Model 3 all the way out here on the other side of the country. Thanks. Bye. It's very cool to hear that, Nick. It's, I'll tell you, it is, it's almost certainly a release candidate. Probably, I, I would doubt it's, a, it's one of the early owners on a road trip because the early owners are employees and they, <laughs> they, uh, you know, they're, they're probably still busy working on Model 3 stuff. But um, maybe, but, uh, and then the, the red car with the 20-inch wheels was down in uh, South Carolina, you'll recall, presumably testing those wheels. So I would think that the car you saw was probably testing something to be all the way out there in Massachusetts. Uh, you know, that's the complete opposite end of the country from, from the Tesla factory. So, you know, maybe they were testing something inside the car that we can't see. Or heck, maybe they were just logging some time doing engineering validation away from the more prying eyes of California, although of course by now I'm not sure uh, how much that that matters since the car is officially launched. But I will say, you know, by the way, it's funny to think that in the not too distant future, the Model Three will be almost everywhere, and it's no longer going to be like seeing Bigfoot when you spot one. And and that's the thing. It's I, you know, you guys hear me talk uh, on a fairly regular basis about about trying to pull back and take the 10,000-foot view on things sometimes to help uh, gain a little bit more perspective on something. And when I, when I apply that to this, when I thought about this, I thought, you know, that's what makes this, this time right now, that's what makes this time fun. You know, we're, sure, we're all eager to get our Model 3s, but it's cool that every little sighting of a Model 3 is something super special, and you tell your friends about it, you tell your family about it. Pretty soon, 
that part of the fun will be gone. It just it, the car will be everywhere, and it won't be like spotting a unicorn anymore. But the next chapter of the fun starts because we'll all have our cars then, and we'll be able to go out and enjoy them. So the fun just it evolves, it changes over time. Our penultimate call this week comes from Jeff in Los Angeles, who uh, who is hoping that I uh, have certain baseball affiliations. <laughs> and then, uh, more importantly, he asks about the safety of the glass roof on the Model 3. So let's hear from Jeff in L.A. Jeff, go ahead. Yeah, hi, this is Jeff from Los Angeles, California. I'm really hoping you're not a Giants fan. But I wanted to expand on what Heath mentioned in one of your previous podcasts regarding the glass roofs on the Model 3. Uh, I was wondering your thoughts on the safety of the glass roof and the sacrifice of the safety in an accident, along with being uh, exposed to the sun while driving every day. So I uh, just want to hear your thoughts. It's definitely something I've considered maybe going with the uh, standard roof versus the glass roof. All right. Go Dodgers. Thank you. Well, first of all, Jeff, I will tell you, I am not a Giants fan. I was born in New Jersey, and my first ever Major League Baseball game was at Shea Stadium when I was a kid. So I grew up a Mets fan. Then after my family, we all moved out to Arizona, like not only my parents, my family, but basically our whole extended family, most of them transplanted out west to Arizona. And I, I mostly grew up there. So when the Diamondbacks were awarded the expansion team years later, I signed. I jumped right on board because you know I was. I'm literally a Diamondbacks fan for, from day one. But I know <laughs> for you as a Dodger fan, that's not much better in your eyes. But there you have it. Now you know. Now you know my baseball background. But uh, I will say you guys have a heck of a team this year. I just read the Sports Illustrated cover story on the Dodgers. Anyway, uh, back to Tesla. The safety should not be a concern because uh, we can use the Model S as an example here. When Tesla switched to the all-glass roof on the Model S, you know that the, the, the metal roof is no longer offered on the Model S, Elon Musk had tweeted out, out about how they had reinforced the B-pillars of the car in order to maintain that structural strength, rigidity, and thus safety. So, uh, and as for the sun concern that you have, the glass is heavily tinted. Uh, I believe, if I'm remembering correctly uh, from the, the spec on the S, uh, it's, it filters out 97%, I believe, give or take a percentile, about 97% of UV rays uh, in that glass roof. If you get a chance, since you're in L.A., just go stop, stop by any Tesla store or since you're in L.A., look around the parking lot the next time you go to the grocery store or something and, and just take a look uh, from, you know, from the outside, obviously, and, and you'll be able to see like, oh, that roof is pretty darn tinted. And then for the heat itself, remember, though, you can always precondition the cabin of a Tesla before you get into it using the Tesla app on your smartphone. So if you are in the grocery, when you get your Model 3, you go into the grocery store, warm day, say it's right now, it's August, uh, it's, maybe it's August of next year, you got your car, uh, and you're in there, you're, maybe you're at the checkout line, and you're waiting in line, well, you take out your Tesla app, get that air conditioning going, so that by the time you get out to the car, 
it's super nice and comfortable when you hop into it. Finally this week, our friend Joe in Michigan uh, wants to comment on differences between the 3 and the S and what, uh, where we might be heading with the Model 3. So Joe, you're on the air. Hey Ryan, this is Joe in Michigan. I read an article a couple days ago on TMC written by a guy or a person named Alchetti, I think. This was posted on uh, August 15th. And I, after reading that, I thought, uh, wow, I understand Tesla's mission for the short term a lot better than I did before. So I wanted to mention this uh, for your listeners. So essentially, the article points out that. Um, the differences between the Model 3 and the Model S, including the new updated Autopilot Hardware 2.5, aren't really related to Autopilot itself, but more to ride-sharing. And this article points out a lot of the things that seem kind of weird about the Model 3 make a lot more sense when you think about it in terms of ride-sharing being the car's primary purpose. Um, the rear headroom was a big priority over making a hatchback, which seemed really weird to a lot of us at the time. Um, makes sense though, if you're going to have people in the back of your car primarily, uh, the center display being oriented for video playback and not tilted toward the driver means that rear passengers can actually see it really well. Uh, there are no buttons in the car really anywhere, which means that everything can be software controlled, even access to the trunk. So if you don't want people getting into your personal things in the trunk, you can, you can lock that, and plus you can have roaming profiles so that as a person uh, hailing a ride, you can get in any Model 3 and all your playlists are there, your movies, your seat positions, your audio balance, everything you're used to is the same, so all the cars kind of feel the same to you. Uh, no key fob, uh, that seemed really weird to me at first, but again, if the, if the um, primary purpose of the car is for the Tesla network, then it makes perfect sense because most of the people accessing it will be using their phone. That's, of course, how they're going to uh, facilitate the use of the cars is through their app. Um, no leather in the car, so it's instead a super durable synthetic material, which makes sense when you have a lot of strangers in your car. And, of course, the interior camera that is uh, can be used essentially as a surveillance camera to make sure that uh, you have documentation if people damage your car. Uh, yeah, and the article also points out that the... That the um, uh, autopilot 2.0 cars that are on the road today may be just as capable as the autopilot 2.5 in quotation marks uh, model threes except that they will probably not be able to join the tesla network there's never been a promise that they could and it seems like maybe they won't be able to uh, and then one final point that i just want to add is that i wonder if tesla will uh, start offering uh, for the people who insist on using their model three as a traditional single purpose car uh, maybe Tesla will offer optional key fobs, traditional key fobs for those people for 300 bucks or something. Because uh, key fobs actually are pretty handy, and they could be made. Why not? Uh, it would just uh, duplicate the functionality of the Bluetooth phone app. So anyway, sorry, it's kind of a long call, but uh, I thought this was definitely interesting for me and maybe for the other listeners. Well, a lot of that does indeed make sense, Joe. Elon, Elon's also talked a lot about how, you know, his, his very uh, kind of famous quote now of, you won't care if there's no instrument cluster in front of the driver because the car would be driving itself. But I do also think that a lot of that could just be simplification just for the sake of rethinking what makes a good car and what makes a good car interior. I mean, let me be clear. 
I am not arguing with the theory, but I think Tesla probably, I'll bet you they would have done most, if not all of this stuff anyway, even if there was no plan for a ride-sharing network. Now, as for the key fob, you bring that up, I don't see it happening. I don't think they're even going to offer it as an expensive option that you can, you know, an af- like a thing to go, go buy at the service center. I think Tesla just doesn't want to go to the trouble and expense of making them for hundreds and hundreds of thousands of cars. You know, the, the cars will automatically unlock for you when you get within Bluetooth range, which, by the way, that's exactly what happens. The S and X key fobs, the newer ones, those are Bluetooth. So that's the same functionality. And uh, so that's the thing. It's the, the, what the fob can do. The fob, all that functionality is basically the same uh, in, in the smartphone. So um, I would add, too, that in case you're wondering, on the S and the X, because this, this has come up, too. If, you, know, you, you walk up to the car and all the doors unlock. And some people... Uh, just you know, with good reason, think uh, I don't want all my doors to unlock when I approach my car in case there's some. Maybe it's late at night and there's some sh- you know there could be some shady character nearby. You can change the profile in your driver profile. You can set it so that only the driver door unlocks when you approach the car. So um, it's if if you were thinking that, uh, hopefully I uh, can can pre pre. Calm your fears on that. All right, good stuff as always from you folks in the Ride the Lightning hotline. So again, if uh, I very much welcome your calls, I think it adds they add so much to the show. They make this podcast so much better. So please uh, record your calls on your smartphone and email me that file to teslapodcast at gmail.com. Alternatively, it's also very, very easy to just call and leave a message on the Ride the Lightning hotline. That is a toll-free number, which is 1-888-989-8752. Again, 1-888-989-TSLA. Be right back to wrap things up for you right after this. Be sure to subscribe to Ride the Lightning if you do not do so already so that the show is automatically downloaded for you every week. You can subscribe on most of your favorite podcast services, including iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, or TuneIn. You can also find episodes and the RSS feed on the hosting site, which is teslapodcast.libsyn.com. You can follow me on Twitter at DMC underscore Ryan. If you are shopping for Tesla accessories for you and or your car, uh, be sure to visit abstractocean.com and check out their model. Uh, they've got Model X silicone key fob pockets, Tesla lanyards, etc. And they are kindly offering a 20% off coupon code for listeners of this podcast. Use the coupon code RTL Podcast. That's all one word. RTL Podcast at checkout to get 20% off of your order. If you're buying a Tesla, please use this referral code to get yourself $1,000 off of the car and free unlimited lifetime supercharging, and you get me a a lottery ticket's chance to win a Tesla, which would be obviously a dream come true for me. So 
you, you win, I potentially win. So uh, use this referral code. It's Type this into your browser. It's ts.la slash Gordon1872. That's G-O-R-D-O-N-1872. If you've been enjoying the show for a while, uh, you get a lot out of it. It is of great benefit to you. I would very much appreciate if you would take a look at my Patreon page and maybe consider uh, supporting me on Patreon. Take a look at all the uh, uh, information there, the pledge information. Or you can, of course, you can pledge anything you want. Uh, Just would love it if you'd take a look at the page. Patreon.com slash Tesla podcast. Patreon is P-A-T-R-E-O-N. And on that note, I want to thank the Patreon producers These are the folks that pledge at the $20 or higher level each and every month supporting my efforts. I sincerely appreciate you all. And you are Jeff Bartram, Paul Hussey, DJ Harbaugh, Pete White, Wolfgang Obergen, George Cassiopo, ZL Klein, David Brander, Jonathan Wales, Scott Gillis, Michael Lucas, Alexi Heft, Lisa Kaz, Michael O'Prey, Logan Willis, Matthew Parra, Michael Lester, John E. Ford, Robert Miracle, Kyle Stover, Vince Vaughn, John Lasher, Harold Plug, Jason Chalukas, Charlie Payne, Emotion Rentals, Richard Ouellette, Andreas Cohen, and Sean Fournier. M- many thanks to all of you. And many thanks to all of you just for listening, for giving this podcast a try, for trusting me with, uh, you know, and what's, what's uh, lately been more like an hour rather than 45 minutes, about an hour of your week every week to uh, catch you up and give you my take on the world of Tesla. I, it really means a lot to me. Your time is valuable. I know I say it a lot, but it's true because I see it in my own life. Uh, and the older I get, uh, the more valuable that time becomes uh, with you know a million different family things going on, projects, this, that, the other. So thank you all so much for trusting me with your time each and every week. Uh, I thank you for your support. I thank you for listening. Happy electric motoring. And I'll see you next week.